Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is a Rocket Room production. What's shaking, Red Nation? It is Jeremy Brenner here with another episode of The Dream Take presented by The Dream Shake. And we're continuing our top prospect series here on the show. And I'm super excited that we are talking Jalen Suggs today. I'm going to wait for my uh, co-pilots to come on up. And I'm going to wait for our guest to come on up today. We are recording live on the Locker Room app. So feel we will have time to answer questions from the audience at some points during the show. Uh, super thankful to everyone that is here with us, listening to us live on Locker Room. If you have not uh, caught our previous episode where we talked with Ridiculous Upsides, Dakota Schmidt on the two top G League Ignite prospects, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. That is our previous episode. Go subscribe to our podcast and check out that episode. Uh, I'm going to bring up Ray Lucas. He's uh, one of our co-pilots here at the Dream Take. Ray, how's your day going, man? It's pretty good so far. It's still early for me, you know, on the Pacific time, but, you know, can't complain. Yeah, we're all across the country here. I'm on the East Coast, Ray's on the West Coast, and we got Mike in the deep in the heart of Texas. Mike, how are you today? What's up, y'all? Good to hear y'all's voice on the locker room waves once again. Absolutely. And, you know, last episode we talked with Dakota about Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga. It got me really excited about what is to come for this this draft process that we have and I'm really looking forward to talking about Jalen Suggs today just before before Jackson comes uh I've just sent him the link but I want to get y'all's like first thoughts on Jalen Suggs kind of preview let's start to preview this episode a little bit so uh Ray I'll start with you you were the first one up here so uh what is your first initial thoughts when you think of Jalen Suggs um, I think he's underrated, to be honest. I've seen a lot of people giving him blowback for their loss against the Baylor, but I think if anybody looked like they belonged in that game, it was him. Um, he's a lot more athletic than I thought. Like, I had seen him coming into um, Gonzaga and heard his name a little bit, but then um, I think the first game, with I don't remember who they played against, but he was just all over the place. He was He was dunking. I think his first points was a dunk, and I was just like, dang, this guy might be good. And then obviously the season went on. Um, luckily, it was a COVID year, so I didn't have to watch Gonzaga play the Huskies because that would have got ugly considering how their season went and Washington's season went. And he just really stood out to me through the whole year. I think the only thing that kind of worries me is size. He's a little bit shorter, but, I mean, he's really, really good. 
Yeah, Mike. Now, we've talked a lot about who is the right fit for this Rockets team. And Jalen Suggs may not necessarily be that perfect fit, but do you think that he might have the talent that is just undeniable to pass up on? I think he's he's my third favorite player in the first round for the Rockets. Um, in order, it would be <clears throat> Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and then Jalen Suggs. I don't think Jalen Suggs is can't miss talent. I think he's very talented. I think he's a guy, watching him play, he reminds me of Chauncey Billups. Like, he's really good, but would either one of y'all say that Chauncey Billups was great in the league? I mean, Chauncey very Billups good. was a finals MVP and the point guard of a championship team. If that's what we get with this pick, I'm totally okay with that. The player comp, yes, you're totally right, but by his... He was never – Chauncey Billups was not a guy that set the world on fire, but he's a guy that if the world was on fire, he'd be able to manage the situation. I think is the best way that I can put it. I like, I like Jalen Suggs a lot. Watching him play, I think he's got a higher ceiling than Billups did, but I'm not in love with Jalen Suggs to the point where the Rockets have to have him. Um, he's my, he's my third guy in the first round. Very, very good talent. I think he's going to be a great player, um, for whoever gets him. I would like him on the Rockets, obviously, because I think he's, he's talented and the Rockets are in desperate need of talent. And if he's, let's say they have the third pick and if he's there, you take him. I think he's the best of not named Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley in this draft. Yeah, you know, the thing is with with top prospects is we've seen a history of guys that are drafted in the top five. Usually not all five of those guys pan out. And I'm not saying that Jalen Suggs is going to be that guy, but I do think that there are guys that will succeed regardless of the situation that they enter in the league. Like, I do believe that Cade Cunningham, wherever he goes, will likely succeed. Don't matter where he plays, whether he plays in Houston, whether he plays in like Detroit or Orlando, he's the kind of guy that can mold a role for himself regardless. Um, and as I speak, here's our guest today. It is Mr. Jackson Frank. He is one of the brightest minds of NBA Twitter, and he is a Gonzaga alum. So he has followed this Gonzaga team followed Jalen Suggs throughout the season. So Jackson, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. And how are you doing? I uh, appreciate the kind words. I'm doing well. How are you today? Uh, doing fantastic. You know, usually when we do these podcasts, I'm talking about a Rockets loss, but uh, we haven't had a Rockets loss in almost a month now. So things are pretty sunny in, in Houston right now. But uh, we're on, looking on to the future, and the future is bright for the Houston Rockets, especially when you have the ability to possibly draft Jalen Suggs in this draft. So I, I guess I'll start this off by stating that there was a – there was a mock draft today posted on The Athletic, right? And I looked through it. Cade Cunningham went number one, as, as we all know. But the number two pick ended up being not Evan Mobley, but it was Jalen Suggs. Now, this was a very interesting mock because usually we've seen 
Cunningham, Mobley, Suggs in some order like that. But I've seen mocks where Jalen Suggs goes two, Jalen Suggs goes three, Jalen Suggs goes four. But I'm going to ask you, Jackson, you are the long-lost brother of Rockets GM, Rafael Stone. Jackson Stone is here on the podcast today. Make the case to draft Jalen Suggs for the Houston Rockets in about 60 seconds. Um, I mean, if it's it. Two, I honestly have a really tough time justifying that. I just think Mobley is a is a is a tier ahead. But I think the case would be that you you would have a very complementary backcourt if you're in a builder on Kevin Porter Jr. is kind of maybe one of your other guys. In that the fact that you know Suggs is a he's a very good defender. He's particularly good off the ball. You know, playing the passing lanes. You know, making rotations and kind of you know being being kind of a risk taker. Um, but he also is someone who struggles at times to create on his own, but you would have Porter to be able to carry that load. So let's say the ball, you know, KPJ drives and swings the ball around and, you know, Suggs can attack the rim and do his thing there. He can push the ball in early offense. Um, maybe kind of collapse the defense like Christian Wood be kind of the trailer there um, because obviously Christian Wood can, can space a four, can attack and close out, do his things off the dribble. So I think the idea there would be building a very complimentary backcourt where maybe KPJ is the guy who handles a lot of possession. He's maybe the better creator, but you have the, defensive-minded guy next to him who can push the pace in a transition um, is very good kind of a set as a secondary handler. Um, so that would be kind of the case for him there. And there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of th- things I think you can do well for the Rockets. Obviously, you know, it was a tough season for the Rockets, but I think there are some, some players in place that really can kind of, you know, you can build around. So uh, I think subs will be coming into some sort of infrastructure that not might not be available to every other team that is maybe a potential suitor for him. Jackson, it's great to have you on the show, my man. Um, I have a quick question as it pertains to what we were just talking about before you came on was Jalen Suggs, rather, seems like the safest pick. Like, I think he's going to be really good at the next level. I don't know if he has the ability to be great in the NBA. I think he's going to be very good. In your opinion, when you look at a guy like him and a guy like Jalen Green, do you think the Rockets would be better off Going with a guy like Green, who I think has a higher ceiling and could become a you know a potential superstar, or if you're in the top five, you go for what you think is the safer pick and a guy like Suggs. Do you agree with that sentiment, or, or what are your thoughts between, you know, if you're the Rockets, which route you would take, let's say, if they end up with the third pick and Mobley and Cunningham are both off the board? Yeah, I would definitely go Green there. Um, I think especially for a team like the Rockets, even though I did say they have some stuff in place. By means they have like an entire, you know, future starting five that they have to, you know, they have to kind of accommodate there. So um, I think Green is a better prospect. Um, I like some of the improvements he's made. One of my hesitancies with Green coming into the his G League season that I thought at times he he struggled to get downhill because of some inflexibility um, issues and some decision making and passing warts. And I think he's improved in those regards a lot. Um, for anyone listening, I would encourage you to read PD Webb's huge piece on him. Uh, you can follow PD Webb at Above the Break Three. That's number three on Twitter. Um, did a huge deep dive into him on his Patreon, which is in the pieces free of everyone to read. Um, but Green is a really, really good prospect. Um, legitimately, very good. And I think he's just kind of similar to Mobley in the sense that I, I think he's a better, just a better prospect than Suggs. So that's where I would go, especially for Tim of the Rocket too. Again, have some pl- some players in place that I think are worth keeping around, but um, I don't think they're in a place where they should be betting on the the, sh- the guy that they think is a, a better a better bet to, you know, be a valuable contributor to NBA NBA basketball. But I think think Jalen Green will be very, very good, and that's why I prioritize him over over Suggs if I were the Rockets. Hey, Jackson. um, Like Jeremy and Michael said, uh, welcome onto the show. 
Um, one thing I'm wondering is, Rockets fans, obviously, they're really hoping to get into those four slots. And if they land the four pick, what do you think the likelihood the likelihood is that Jalen Suggs will be available still at number four after the way he played in the tournament? Because sometimes we see those guys have big tournaments and then it boosts their draft stock. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I think Suggs will probably go three or four. Um, I don't I don't know exactly what, you know, it's tough to know exactly kind of how these things shake out, but... Um, I would say if you had, if I had to bet on who would be available for um, for the Rockets, I would say Suggs will. If I had, if, it, if it was if it was three guys, if it was Mobley, Suggs, and Jalen Green, I think Suggs is the most likely candidate. This will be available there. Um, I think Green did a lot in his, the G, his G League stint to really improve his stock. Um, Mobley, I think, just had a really really tremendous year and you know was incredible in the in the postseason in the three schemes the, the Trojans played in the in the uh, tournament. Um, USC played. Excuse me, I'm all all out of out of sorts. Because I used to refer to NBA teams, but uh, USC Trojans are their name. Um, but I would I would bet Suggs is the most likely guy to be available among kind of the three that we've we've referenced to an extent. Um, even four, if you want to include Cade, who yeah, just won't be there. But um, I would say if they if they land at four, Suggs is probably the guy that they um you know will will would go toward. He'd be the one who's most likely to be available. Yeah, my thing with the whole Suggs debate is. I feel like in most drafts, it, 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 not every draft, but in most drafts, there's at least one team that drafts in the top, you know, four or five that usually drafts for fit. Now, if you're now, obviously, we don't know right now at this moment where every team will be drafting. We still got about two weeks for that to to figure itself out. But honestly, of the teams that are likeliest to pick number one overall, I, I imagine we're going to see a lot of best player available scenarios where every team, whoever picks like Detroit, isn't really in a position to pick for a need. Houston isn't really in a position to pick for a need. Like every, they, their need is talent, right? They just need the most talented player available. And if that's the case, then Jalen Suggs, in my opinion, is just, is just that like, he doesn't necessarily fit a specific mold, but I do think if he were to come to the Rockets immediately and play this season, I don't know if he would get all that much playing time only because the Rockets have not a whole lot. Like, they have Eric Gordon, obviously, who we were expecting to be a Rocket next season. The Rockets are going to have to make some moves. And they also have two picks later in the first round that... I would expect them to keep at least one of those picks or possibly use those two picks to trade up in the draft. So, and the thing is, they're probably going to draft another wing-like guy there, I would expect. So, Jalen Suggs, if he were to come to the Rockets, that means that he would probably have to be, you know, in competition with guys like Kyrie Thomas, Armani Brooks. Like, I don't think that Jalen Suggs would be the automatic number two of the future if he were to come here now i'm going to ask you this jackson once again you know what can he do better than anybody what is the one thing about jalen suggs what's his signature about jalen suggs game that will place him above all of the rest on the rocket's depth chart at at the two spot yeah so i think i think for him he has two things that really stand not i mean all Cade mobley and he are all very, very intelligent processors of the game in the sense that I think they read the floor very well, particularly on both ends, honestly. 
um, which I think is a, a huge thing for guys, especially that young. I think that really helps him. What I think, I think his standout trait, if I had to kind of pick one, it would be the the transition game. Um, it, it, whether it's the the it's the grab and goes on a defensive rebound and playing up the floor, whether it's after a make pushing the tempo and getting into the teeth of the defense before they're set and you know finishing or like leaving a drop off pass for a big man. Um, whether it's the playmaking, I don't know exactly what his numbers were in terms of steals per game or steal rate, but it was definitely high for for a guy last year. Um, so his ability to kind of create you know easy, easy scoring opportunities in the open floor, um, which is not what you want to bank on all the time. I mean, you 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 need a guy who can create in the half court as well. Um, but there is a lot of value in someone who, you know, transition is always going to be a inherently more efficient play type offensively. So there's a lot of value in that. So I would say it's both his reading and kind of processing of the floor on both ends and then his ability to create uh, transition opportunities, which are just a really um, impactful way to, you know, derive offense. But I would say to your point about maybe there's a lot of options for the Rockets at two guard. I would say if he's struggling to beat out guys like Kyrie Thomas and Armani Brooks, there's probably a larger issue at hand. Not that I think those guys didn't show anything down the stretch, but the fact is that they're like they have some skills. But I think Suggs, given what he what color prospect we perceive him to be and what he's shown throughout the last few years, should be able to beat them out. So I would say if he struggles with that, there's probably a greater issue at hand than any sort of like fit, you know, overlap or or, or depth at, the, at too much depth at one spot is kind of how I would. I would view that if that's a dilemma the Rockets end up facing throughout the season. Yeah, he averaged two, uh, nearly two seals a game in this season at Gonzaga, and uh, so yes, he can. That that is that is a big part of his game is is forcing those turnovers and and getting into transition. So I uh, just wanted to add that. But Mike, go ahead. Yeah, Jackson, what do you think of Jalen's style of play and how it translates to the 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 way the NBA is is moving, where you've got to have guys that are somewhere between six four and six seven who can guard multiple positions. I know you said he's he's great in the in the open floor, which I, I totally agree with that assessment. Do you feel like his style of play will translate well to the NBA level? And the second part to my question is, do you feel like there's any part of Jalen Suggs that he played on an obviously an immensely talented Gonzaga team. Do you think that he was great on that team? Do you feel like his game will take another step forward when he gets to the league? Or he was playing on such a great team that it was easy for his skills to pop while watching him. He may take a step back when he gets to the league. What are your What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I think the impo- the really important thing with Jalen Sog is to understand what he can and cannot do offensively. Uh, and his biggest issue offensively, there's a few things. One, he doesn't have a great, he doesn't have a great handle in the sense that he can do some things to create space when he's kind of moving left or right, east west, but you know, kind of north south up, you know, downhill, he has some ball control issues, and so, and he he's not as explosive as you maybe think he might be, and so he struggles at times to kind of create for himself getting downhill. I mean, you can like. If you want a clear game of Jalen Suggs, kind of his his weak points currently offensively, just go and watch that that national championship game. Um, I think he ended up. I think his numbers were okay, but he struggled a ton against Baylor's ball pressure. Um, they kind of crowded his handle, especially Davion Mitchell, um, who's a fantastic on ball defender in this year's class as well. So I think it's understanding that he is more of a secondary handler than some some big time kind of lead initiator. You know, I'm not. He's not a. He's not a Damian Lillard. He's not a James Harden. He's not a Trey Young. Like I don't want to. I don't want to hold him to that standard. But he's not a guy that you want to ask to consistently create his own shot 
you can definitely run a lot of pick and rolls for him because as I said, he reads the floor really well and is quite a good passer. Um, but he has, he has, a, he kind of plays a style when he tries to create that is reliant on explosiveness. And I think the, the, the path for him to being some, you know, the term that a lot of people use nowadays in, in kind of the draft world is advantage creation. How can you force other guys to, how can you force other defenders beyond your own to, you know, divert what they're supposed to do to come slow you down. So I think his path should be rather than using the explosiveness, like sometimes people will compare him to Derrick Rose. And that's just like, not like just go watch Derrick Rose and then watch, you know, Suggs and you understand why that's a very poor you know, kind of comparison in terms of explosion. His path should be kind of the Drew Holiday idea that, you know, Drew isn't some really bursty guard, but he's super strong and he's able to kind of post guys up and draw help that way. And, and Jalen is very strong, especially for a guy his age. I think he turns 20 later this month, um, which, again, is kind of old for his class. But to be so strong already, the idea should to be kind of find a way to use that as his, his best means of self-creation, you know, post-ups, you know, kind of backing guys down with the strength rather than the kind of the way he plays now, which is predicated on explosiveness and like a really dexterous handle that just isn't quite there. That's not to say he can't improve those things, but um, – so the, the underlying kind of answer to your question is to understand who he is and that he's not he's not someone you want to ask to create his own shot forty times a game or create a shot for someone else. He's kind of a he's a guy who pairs well with some other high use ball handler and kind of do things based off of that, but he's not kind of your lone lone guy to kind of run a ton of offense through on his own. And so what I'm basically taking away from you is that it's gonna take him a little bit of learning for him to really reach that maybe not elite level, but reach that consistent level where he's putting out good games every night. Um, how long do you think it's going to take for him to really reach his potential and reach the player that he can be? Because we see guys like Trey Young and Luca who are taking off early. I don't think Jalen Suggs is necessarily that prospect, but then you also see DeAndre Ayton who got judged really early and then just had a great series against the Lakers and helped eliminate them. So how long do you think until... Jalen Suggs really becomes Jalen Suggs. Yeah, I mean, I think the you know, the, the general answer is that it's going to be. I mean, most guys tend to peak in their twenty five to twenty eight age season, but I think in terms of a guy who maybe can approach you know that you know that all star caliber or that really high level starter, um, I think it's going to take a little while. I think he he is someone even defensively though. I think he's very good. Tends to be very you know tends to gamble a lot and take risks, and that's something that. You know, you can you can get away with a lot at lower levels, but the speed of the NBA is so much quicker that I think that's going to take him some time to adjust. I think that'll be a part of his game by all means when he's kind of in his prime, but that'll take some time. I think also figuring out how to create off the dribble for himself and, you know, and, and kind of leverage that that passing and that ability to read the floor so well will take some time. But um, he really is a super intuitive and perceptive player. And so I, and, you know, I've, I've spoken with him. I've written a couple of pieces about him before and just getting the sense that I get the sense that he is a very, he's a very adaptable player. I don't want to use the word coachable because I think that is kind of overused, but I think he is someone who has a lot of different avenues to create an impact on both ends. And if you, if with the right development staff kind of recognizes what those paths are um, and what they aren't even too, I think he'll be really, you know, amenable to those. So um, I think it'll take a little while. I, don't think, I think like, I think he'll definitely won't kind of burst onto the scene in a way that Luca or even Zion or Lamelo or any of these types of. Cal- I just don't think he's that caliber of prospect. Um, but I think there are there are definitely avenues. He's a really interesting prospect to me because I think the way he plays now isn't going to be quite you know like there'll definitely be some similarities, but there's going to re- require some tweaks in how he plays on both ends to really figure things out. And that's that's the case with any guy, truthfully, even if it's Lamelo or Zion, even these these guys that kind of you know 
come out of the gates playing very well. But I think he's got so many different kind of things he can tweak and that are important to tweak. Um, and I can't say how quickly it'll happen, but I, I definitely do think there'll be more of a learning curve. I think he'll kind of maybe have a, a traditional rookie season compared to some of these outliers like the, the Cades and the Lucas and the Zions that you mentioned. Um, you know, so that's kind of a long-winded answer. I hope it provides some insight there, but it's tough to say exactly because generally speaking, guys are all going to peak at the right time, but I, but I would definitely temper expectations. I don't think he's going to be a guy who you know, people are mentioning, oh, this guy's definitely going to be, you know, he should be in the all-star consideration like that from day one, or even, even maybe finishing his rookie year to the point where it's like, oh, he should be an, a, a, an all-star in year two. Now, the thing with the Rockets is whoever they, whoever they end up getting in the draft, it, the chances are, I really do think the Rockets want to build around Kevin Porter. Now, if they get Cade, if the number one picks, you, you take Cade. And then you find a way to make Cade and, and KPJ work. But if they don't get Cade, and the chances of them getting Cade are less likely than likely. It's it's actually probably very unlikely that they end up with Cade Cunningham. The ping pong balls are just going to have to fall in our favor for that to happen. But in the case that it doesn't, you know... Jalen Suggs is going to have to play next to Kevin Porter. And I'm personally, I don't know as much about Jalen Suggs that I do Kevin Porter, but what I do know about Kevin Porter is when the ball is in his hands, good things tend to happen. So that is where I think the Rockets would like to go if they eventually, if they bring in Suggs and have him play complimentary to uh, Kevin Porter. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Jalen Suggs was primarily the main creator in Gonzaga like is that is that a fair statement Jackson or um I would say honestly he was a primary creator a lot in the in transition because I mentioned he's very good in that role but mm-hmm. honestly they ran a lot of offense through Drew Timmy and Lopez Corey Kispert um Andrew Nemhard was kind of one of the other guards who started for them this year he he's a great pick and roll guy in the half court so um so it was very balanced, not exactly. Yeah, like yeah, it was a NBA. very balanced offense. It was, it was a you know, the Corey and Drew were kind of their main guys, but um, they did push the ball a lot, and and that was Jalen's doing a lot of the time. But in the half court, I would say it was a pretty, a pretty big good mix. I'd have to, you know, I'd have to see some numbers that were readily available in terms of like you know half court on ball usage. But from what I saw this year, which was the majority of Gonzaga games, um, it felt pretty balanced, especially in the tournament. You go back and watch those games. Suggs did a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in the open court, but. When things settled down a little bit, it was Nemhard running pick and rolls. It was Kispert doing things. It was Timmy in the post. So um, he definitely didn't play on the ball maybe as much as you'd expect in the half court. Yeah, because now that we talk it out, the more that I'm thinking about it, if Jalen Suggs' primary strength in college was in the transition, then when the game speeds up in the NBA, he's not gonna he's he's gonna have to speed up and catch up to it. And he might not necessarily be as strong on the NBA level as he is on the college level. So that does concern me a little bit. Uh, but before before we continue, I have breaking news here from, from Don in the chat. It was announced that Hakeem is going to be the draft representative. So I, I don't think that you can get much better than the dream uh, being the draft representative, a former number one pick of the Rockets. So hopefully that will bring us good, good fortune. Uh, but that's... That's a small little tidbit of breaking news. Good to see that the dream is representing the Rockets as always. But I'm going to open up the floor now to questions. Uh, Ori, I saw that you put your speaker request up, so you're going to go first, bud. Welcome to the show, and how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Um, I think Jackson made a point that I that – and something that's always been a question mark for me about Jalen Suggs because I've been watching him 
since high school is that like and something that I don't think has been brought up enough is like Jackson said that I don't think he's that he doesn't have that great of a handle and I don't and my concerns with him are how well he's going to be able to create you know shots off the dribble at the next level like like you said he can do everything else in terms of getting out in transition can read the floor really well I, I've liked some of the things I've seen, like in terms of him being able to, you know, be a spot up shooter. But I think that's one question mark I've always had about his game is that he's never really looked like that good of a creator off the dribble. So that's one one main thing I've noticed watching his game, especially at game. Yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. I would I would tend to agree with you. I think I think the path to Suggs being a really really good, you know individual score um, would be to really become a good pull-up shooter because he just doesn't have, as I mentioned, the handle to get downhill one-on-one. He's like, he, the way that I've kind of phrased it before when I've talked to people is he's a little, like he's kind of tightly contained almost to think like in the sense that he doesn't, he doesn't get around guys a ton individually. So I think if he's going to be a really, really good individual score, it's going to be like with the pull-up and stuff like that. And, and I don't, I think his numbers were okay this year. He definitely has improved. He's taken a big leap as a scorer the last year and a half, couple of years. Like, you can go kind of compare his mechanics, I think, with Team USA to this last year at Gonzaga. He looks a lot more fluid. Um, just kind of, kind of in terms of the, the connectivity from kind of, you know, toe to head, in terms of kind of the rhythm there. Um, but I, I tend to agree with you that uh, he definitely, either, he definitely will have to make strides in certain ways to kind of become that sort of player. And it will be, I think, mostly through pull-up shooting rather than becoming some, incredible driver and finisher so um i don't expect him to be, you know i don't expect him to be like the a luca type you know i'm not not copying to luca but luca his greatest trait as a score individually is getting in the rim and finishing there i think with with jalen it will be his ability to create space with his handle that i think has improved going east west again i think it's still a big issue going north south downhill but i think he has some kind of some crossovers and some ability to start and stop and create space off the bounce for pull-ups and that will be the way that if you really buy into him as a high-level scorer, it'll have to be that as his primary avenue to do so, not not someone who lives at the rim. He's not going to be a Shea or a Luca in that sense. Well, we know he can pull up from half court when the game's tied and there's about five seconds left. <laughs> that, that's true. Against, against L.A. teams, he might, be, he might be okay there. Against L.A. teams. And, you know, the Rockets play L.A. about uh, six or seven times a year, so that – that's important. That's important. If he can show up against the LA teams, I'm totally okay with that. He's got half court range. Yeah, he definitely does. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I, the handle is a worry for sure. And um, I don't know how much it can be improved. And I, again, I think there are going to be some adaptations to his play style, um, both that stem from his own, you know, I guess awareness of where he struggles, but more importantly, with the development staff by whichever team takes him, recognizing how can we extract the most value from him as a non-ball creator? Because I don't think it'll be by any means kind of a, a dupl- duplicate of the way we saw him used at the AU level with Minnehaha in high school or even at Gonzaga. Um, but I would note too, um, an area he has, to, he has to improve off the ball is he isn't quite he isn't quite the willing spot up shooter. Do you like he's so kind of wired to get downhill at times that I think he kind of forces the issue off the catch. So I think that'll be somewhere. But I think that's a pretty easily. I had some low-hanging fruit for improvement. Um, one of the things that I always try to do when I evaluate prospects, um, which I've done, I did a lot of last year, I've known as much of this year, but is try to imagine which are really, really difficult ways for them to improve and which are kind of 
reasonably attainable. And I think this one, in terms of becoming more willing as a catch-and-shoot guy, um, is definitely there. So just a, just a note, if he's going to play next to Kevin Porter Jr. or whoever it is, um, that'll have to maybe be a little more willing as a spot-up shooter than he, do, than he should at Gonzaga or at lower levels. But um, I think he can get there fairly easily just by adjusting to a different role. Yeah, Ori, do you have anything to add before I send you back to the gulag? <laughs> yeah, one more thing is uh, in terms of him compared to Cade, do you, like, in terms of, like, how much you think they can contribute offensively, like, immediately, who would you who would you take first? Would it be Cade or would it be Jalen? Because I feel like Cade, offensively, I think his game would translate um, a lot better, especially because of his size and his ability to, like, sh- like be able to shoot the ball off the catch, too. I think he's shown, you know, some capabilities in that sense. But who do you think is better offensively to yeah for me it's absolutely Cade for you know pretty comfortably um that's not that's not necessarily to discredit Jalen though there are, although there are some weaknesses that I've mentioned and it's more to a testament I mean Cade has three and a half four inches on him he's got a better handle um as you said I think he's a better bet to be a really good pull-up shooter um has shown an ability to spot up as well he's got a post game um he's a better passer he's a better finisher like there are just so many ways that he's a better player offensively than Jalen um, which again is mostly a testament to Kate. Kate is a tremendous prospect. Like he's, he's in my eyes, he is the undisputed number one guy in this class for a reason. Um, but he just is able to kind of get to his spots and kind of compromise and threaten defenses better um, than Jalen. All right, Ori, thank you so much for coming on. Feel free to double tap Ori's profile so you can gem him up before I send him back to the gulag. Going once, going twice, and. Back in the gulag. All right. I'm going to bring up Ant now. Ant is up here on the show. Ant, right. Welcome to the show today. How are you, brother? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, I saw the saw the topic, and I'm with my son. Just want to be up here just real, real quick. Um, the Rockets, where where are you guys thinking that they're what – the, what is their draft slot that you guys are thinking – that they're going to get to. Well, it's the worst team in the league. I hope and pray that it's number one. So yeah, we want we're, we want Kate. <laughs> like I, I don't think it's. Yeah. I think it's. Uh, I think it's clear at this point that Kate is our number one choice. But we have to uh, look into the considerations here. I mean, we have fourteen percent odds to land the number one pick, but so do the Pistons, and then so does the thirteen. I believe that's the Magic. I'm not sure who that third team is. It's either the Magic or the Timberwolves. Uh, someone, Mike, if you want to go fact check me on that, I'd appreciate it. But um, yeah, so we know that the number one pick is not necessarily likely. And to be honest, there's a 52% chance the Rockets keep their pick it being in the top four. But that also means there's a 48% chance that they don't keep their pick, that they end up with the number five pick. And if we get the number five pick, that ends up in the hands of Oklahoma City. And then you get Oklahoma City... That the chances of that happening, if the Rockets were to drop two spots out of the top three, that means two teams that aren't in the top three are getting top three picks. So that means Oklahoma City could very much likely end up with two of the top five picks. And I don't think that's anything the league wants. Uh, the rest of the league, except for OKC, wants because if you give OKC with all of the surplus of picks that they have, if you give them two top five picks in this draft, which is a very, very top heavy draft, I'd be very scared. Be very scared for the West. Now, are you guys 
thinking about taking Suggs over Green? To be honest, after this conversation, I'm feeling very high on Jalen Green. We talked to uh, Dakota Schmidt on our last episode, and he had real high praise for Jalen Green. He was thinking Jalen Green at three uh, over Jalen Suggs, which that was news to me, considering, I mean, most of the mocks that I've seen are are Cade, Mobley, Suggs. Uh, But, I mean, we saw even on The Athletic today that, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Green was going number, I believe, number two. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of movement within these top couple picks. But uh, the Rockets need to be prepared to take any of these guys, and uh, they need to be prepared to just get better here at the top. It's been a while since the Rockets have had a top five pick. It's been a while since the Rockets have had a first round pick, uh, and I want to say it's been like what five, six years. I think Clint Capella, like Sam Decker, might be like the last first rounder that we've had so it's it's it feels weird to be in the position that we're in right now um but we are very happy to be able to keep our pick i think that was the most important thing about the uh harden trade at least for a lot of us is the fact that if the rockets were going to bottom out they needed to be one of the four worst teams in the league this year because if they weren't then the pick was going to go to oklahoma city and they were going to start this rebuild kind of in purgatory, you know, without a first round pick and you're not bad enough to get the number one pick, but you're not good enough to be in the playoffs. So I'm per I'm personally very excited about where the Rockets are right now because it's hopefully going to land us a real good prospect here. It could be Jalen Suggs. It could be someone else in the top five. So um, I'm really looking forward to what the Rockets have. You know, I do want to give some Jalen Suggs uh, props here at the, at some point so maybe if we can try to sprinkle it in jackson about some positives that Jalen Jalen suggs has that we haven't really mentioned yet yeah i mean i i don't know yeah I, I hope for anyone listening that i'm not being overly uh you know critical of him for me it's the idea that i i just don't quite think he's as good as kind of the top three that we've mentioned of cade mobley and, and Jalen green but again he is a very good prospect in his own right there is certainly a, a number of outcomes where he is a, you know a in multi-time all-star, I'm not going to say some like perennial all-star. I don't want to you know overrest, but I think he's a guy who certainly can make some all-star games. Um, he is a very good defense, like a very distinctive playmaker defensively. Um, again, reads the floor very well on both ends for his age. Um, so kind of, again, one of the buzzwords that I've seen in a lot of my pe- my friends who cover the draft a little more extensively than I have this year, um, I would say cover the draft more broadly than I have with Jalen Suggs is, um, is this idea of court mapping. And I think he just sees all these different angles on the floor really well. Um, he has just a great sense of how to like make passes from the right from the right angles and how things get open. Um, but so I, I think he can definitely run a, a decent amount of pick and rolls. For me, it's just being doing that with discretion. Um, but again, that, those are two clear strengths of his. Um, the shooting, I am pretty confident in because of the ways that he's grown. Um, I do think he'll be a pretty solid pull up shooter. I don't want to say he's going to be some elite pull up shooter, um, but I do think it's some it's a source of offense you can rely on him for at times. Um, so, there, I mean, there are legitimately a lot of reasons to be very excited about Jalen Suggs. Don't get me wrong. Um, and the shooting, kind of the mechanical improvements I've seen from him as a shooter are, are among kind of the most encouraging because I do kind of buy into him fairly fairly significantly there. Um, so he is a very good prospect in, in, a, in a lot of regards. Thanks, though, Jeremy. And thank you, Jackson, too, for having me up here. Uh, just solved the, the just solved the topic of Suggs and um, – uh, just think that Green is closer to K than a lot of people think, 
in my opinion. Um, I think, you know, Cade is, Cade can be a Luca or he can be more like a slow-mo Kyle Anderson. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm not sure there. But I do like Cade. I like Green. Um, not as high on Mobley as Moats. Um, and I do like Suggs as well. But um, but you guys are thinking that, like, those are going to be the top four. Um, if so, I man, watching Green and what he did – against much better competition than what the other guys faced, um, in my opinion, was very impressive. Someone that athletic who could shoot 37% from three, whether off the bounce, in transition, pull up, um, at 6'6". Six, six. Um, his only downside is a 6'7 wingspan, but still, I mean, dude is, uh, dude is unreal. But thanks again. I appreciate you guys. For sure, and, and uh, say hello to your child from us. Uh, we, we appreciate him for coming on. As Walker well. loves Walker Room. <laughs> he loves Locker Room. <laughs> I call it Walker Room sometimes, but thanks, right, guys. So a double tap Ant in Walker Room uh, on, on his way out, going once, going twice, and he's back in the gulag. I've got another speaker request here from Drew. Drew, welcome to the Dream Take, my friend. How are you? Oh, what's up, guys? I'm doing fine. Uh Excited about the draft talk. Uh, as a Warriors fan, uh, I can understand this year being excited for the draft instead of the playoffs. But uh, with the Jalen Suggs talk specifically, I know Ant had touched on uh, comparing Suggs to like Jalen Green. But there was another G League prospect, and I did want to ask if it's a scenario where the Rockets are at four and they have to choose between Jalen Suggs and Jonathan Kaminga. Do you think they might opt towards the potential upside of a Jonathan Kaminga, especially considering that Kevin Porter Jr. has showed uh, a lot of playmaking flashes and ability this season. Mike or Ray, do you want to take this one? Yeah, I mean, to me, I'm going Jalen Suggs. I mean, Jalen Suggs, I'm I'm the type of guy that I hate leaving things to chance, especially in the top five of the draft. I think Suggs, at worst, will be a guy who has the chance of being on an all-NBA defensive team within four years of being in the league. Just his size, the way he attacks the game, the fact that he was you know, sought after not only in basketball but also in football. The guy is physical, especially on the defensive end of the court. And I like Kaminga, but I think Kaminga, talent-wise, is more towards like the 7-10 to 10 uh, spots in the draft and not necessarily in the top five the way I see it. So I'm going Jalen Suggs every day of the week. If the Rockets are at four, I think Suggs is the pick, and it should be the pick. Yeah, so we had Dakota Schmidt from G uh, from Ridiculous Upside on SB Nation, uh, which, covers the, which covers basically the G League, and he was talking about, uh, about how Kaminga is much more of – he's probably the rawest prospect in the draft. He really hasn't played a whole lot of organized basketball. Uh, and he also, he's only 18 years old. I think that's like scary to think how, how young these people are, you know, as someone who just turned 23, like, I think that's really young. Like I, now I'm starting to get to that point. Uh, you know, Mike's been there for a little while, but like when players are younger than me that uh, are coming into the draft, I'm like, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. And uh, so, but the thing about the Rockets is they they do have time. You know, the timeline for this team 
is really in the mid 2020s or even end of the decade, early early 2030s, because those first round picks that you got from the Brooklyn Nets, the ones that are truly going to pay off are the ones that like that 2027 unprotected first round pick that the Nets are going to have. And it's probably going to be a really high pick. We saw how the the Celtics Nets trade happened and it ended up giving the Celtics their two primary guys for the next 10 years themselves. So, and to be honest, that trade, they still have yet to experience the best of that trade because Jason Tatum is still not even in his prime and he's already proven himself to be this superstar in the NBA. So the Rockets timeline, they have time. The Rockets are not expected to be good in these next couple of years. Maybe they'll, you know, flirt with the playing series in a couple of years, maybe even as early as next year if the pick that they get in this draft really lands. Um, but to be honest, it, they can they can afford to take a guy like a Kaminga who is maybe a little bit of a developmental project. A guy like Suggs who maybe is a little bit of a de- developmental project who isn't necessarily NBA ready in 2021, but could be the best player in 2026. I personally would rather take the guy that is more NBA uh, ready in 2026 than the guy in 2021, if that makes sense. But you can't take a project in the top five of the draft. I, I mean, if he's a project that's that could that's going to be the best player in five years, yes. I mean, Dakota, what do you think? What's that? No, I, I was... Uh... I see what you mean, though, Mike. I do. Because also, you keep in mind, the Rockets have 23 and 24. Those could also be, you know, projects. And the Rockets could find someone overseas. You saw how Jayshon Tate was a project this year that that really panned out for them and will likely continue to help pan out for them. So the idea of getting a a project in is is very – they they have the ability to do that. But I agree with you, Mike, in – you know, they have a top five pick. You want one of the five best players in the draft. So that's that's the hope for the Rockets. But I think, you know, Rockets fans are also looking at the fact that if they can get Cade, we want Cade. Like, that, that is it. Cade is unquestionably the number one pick in the draft. But I want to ask you this, Jackson and Drew, here. Um, kind of throw this back at you. If Jalen Suggs was in the 2020 class, where would you draft him at? Uh, in, the tw- in the 2020 class, you said? Yeah, with the one with Anthony Edwards and, and uh, James Wiseman and LaMelo Ball. Who are you taking out of those three plus Jalen Suggs? Um, give me just a, give me a minute here. That's a good question, though. Um, I think it's kind of maybe an interesting way to contextualize it. Um, I I would say, for me, I would probably have him – I would have had him in my second tier. Um, you know, I wouldn't have had him I, – I was a big LaMelo – and still I'm a big proponent of LaMelo – um, I would have my Anthony Edwards. Um, I, I just, I would, I would just worry about kind of again some of the, some of the, the levels of kind of self creation and whatnot. But I do like his ability defensively and kind of his his capacity to slot in next to a, a lead ball handler and provide a lot of value in that role. Um, but so for me, it would probably again, I, to, I mean, it's it's a tough question, but I would probably have him in my three to eight range, maybe a little kind of in that range somewhere. Um, but definitely a tier below a guy like Amelo or even a guy like Anthony Edwards for sure. Yeah. Uh, for me, I mean, I know that a lot of te- a lot of people have been talking about Jalen Suggs to the Warriors, and I don't think that they would have picked him uh, over yeah. Wiseman. And I'd say that applies for the top three. 
because I feel like all those guys on an upside standpoint, probably on a different tier. So I think I lean uh, to where Jackson's going with him being a tier two guy. That to me is concerning because I feel like you could, if you had Evan Mobley in last year's draft, you take him number one. If you had Jalen Green in the 2020 draft, it's it's close between him and LaMelo for me because I was also very high on LaMelo and I thought he should have gone number one, but I would probably take him one, if not number one, definitely number two. And if Jalen Suggs, if you're telling me he's not even good enough to crack the top three in, in a draft that is, I guess, weaker at the top than this one, that that raises a red flag for me. And I'm a little disappointed. I thought I thought we were gonna have a whole hype session about Jalen Suggs, but it's okay. We want the truth. We want we want the truth. We want the raw ability, and that's why that's why you're here, Jackson. That's why we're here at the Dream Take to give the Red Nation what they need. But uh, Drew, before I send you back to the Gulag, do you have any last questions for Jackson or anyone else up here? Uh no, guys. Thanks for this. It was good talking about the draft, and uh, good to get some insight on. Absolutely. Feel free to double tap Drew on your way out. Give uh, give him some gems. Going once, going twice, and he's back in the gulag. I think he got one gem right before I sent him back. But uh, I've got Don here. He's a Pistons fan, but we welcome him on to the Dream Take, the number one podcast for the Dream Shake, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Don, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, any I know you are probably really invested in this draft as much as we are. Oh, so, do you have any questions for for Jackson or anyone else up here? <clears throat> um, I wanted to hear Jackson's thoughts on uh, a prospect I've been really interested in. I actually like him more than Kaminga if the Pistons were to fall, and I think they could trade back and possibly get him uh, James Booknight. Interesting. James Boonite from, uh, from UConn. UConn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, so I, again, I, some, a lot of my, my draft analysis outside of the top five or six is, is fairly ancillary. I kind of got, you know, I, I started doing a lot of stuff this year, but once the NBA season picked up, I found it hard to, to balance both. Um, but I do think, I think book night would be a guy that'd be more interested in late in the lottery or the, the mid teens. I think, he he just he he's an interesting prospect. He clearly has kind of the, the vertical explosion that's really eye popping. Clearly seems to be a pretty good shooting bet as well. But I worry about just I, I think it's I like I I know he has decent size, but in terms of his height, but I worry about his frame in terms of really thriving, you know, as an off ball guard. I think there's some issues there. Um, but but I do I do think there's some enticing parts. And I, I but I don't know about his passing feel like either. Um, again, take all of this with significant grains of salt because it's it's my opinion based off a few games of watching them. I haven't watched them as much as I would a guy like Suggs or even Mobley or Cade um, or you know, Kaminga or Green. Um, but I think there's definitely some some reasons for for intrigue. But I worry that there are you know just other reasons that he might fall short in terms of being a, a really really high level kind of early lottery pick. But I do but I do like his game and I understand kind of the appeal because especially aesthetically he does a lot of things that are really really enjoyable and kind of leave you wondering what he could do you know once he kind of reaches his you know i guess kind of for like a fun like his final form you know um but i'm a little lower based on kind of the things i've read and and the the games that i've seen of his have me a little more concerned about his ability to really handle a full workload especially you know as as a lead guard 
Yeah, I definitely see those concerns. Like, his playmaking, to me, is a bit of a concern, but he's going to probably be coming in as a two-guard. And honestly, I anticipate him being the third-best scorer coming right out of the draft, like, right away. I think he, he can score on all three levels. He has a great handle. And, like, his offensive load that he had in UConn, that team was very bad. The spacing was terrible. And I think he finished, like, 62% of the shots at the rim. Like, it's some really impressive stuff. I see a lot of Zach Levine in his game sort of like Jordan Clarkson, but, like, with hops. Like, I, there's a lot of things I'd like to see, and I think hopefully he can improve as a uh, defender and playmaker. And sometimes the shot selection's a little off, but um, I don't know. I see him as probably – I put him over Kaminga. I would put him at five or six for me, but I do think that the Pistons would be able to trade back, and hopefully he does fall that far so they can get more out of trading back if they traded five or six. Interesting stuff. Don, do you have any anything else to add before I send you back? Oh, to thanks for having me. Yeah, double tap Don on his way out so he can get some gems up in here going once. Don's got to save some gems for the rest of us here. He's got over 5,000. <laughs> they're, they're unlimited. Hey, something like Gem oh, everyone man. up every five minutes. That's what it is. But uh, Don going once, going twice. And he's out of here. All right. Uh, there are no current speaker requests, so I'm just going to ask one question left for Jackson. A little bit Jalen Suggs related, but uh, more Gonzaga related, I guess. Uh, the Rockets had a fellow Gonzaga Bulldog on the team this past season, and his future is up in the air, and that is none other than the Olenek Clinic, Kelly Olenek. <laughs> so, um, I mean, how surprised were you about his second half that he had with the Rockets? And if the Rockets go for a guy like Jalen Suggs that would likely propel the Rockets to keep Kelly Olenek, I think, because they don't necessarily have that. Like, if they were to get Evan Mobley, I think that their chances of retaining Kelly Olenek definitely drop. But what are your thoughts on the possibility of uh, Kelly Olenek and what his future uh, is like for beyond this, this season? Yeah, so I will say it was, I mean, he was an absolute blast to watch post-trade with the Rockets. Um, I was constantly tweeted about it. I read a little piece about it as well, or included in a piece, kind of his play. Um, but I but I would, if I were in a decision-making role, either in the Rockets front office or any front office, I would always be a little skeptical of a guy going off post-trade deadline for a very bad team. Um, that's not to say I don't, like, I think Olenek clearly fills a role uh, as an NBA player. He's been a solid rotation player for many years now. Um, but I wouldn't overpay for the production he, we showed. We, he, he showed, you know, on a team that was, you know, clearly kind of eyeing development um, and whatnot. But uh, I think he definitely deserves kind of a significant payday. I would say somewhere maybe around what he got last time when he signed with Heat, which I think was four for 50, if I do recall co- correctly. Well, I think if he got that again, that'd be certainly reasonable for him. Um, but I think he makes a lot of sense, you know, even if they keep a guy like Mobley, I think, um, or draft a guy like Mobley, excuse me, because he just, he fills, even as you saw with the Rockets, he can fill so many different roles, right? I mean, you can obviously space him, you know, as, as a shooter. Um, he can do some stuff as a dribble handoff, you know, big man. Um, he can post up switches, which the Rockets did a ton of when Olenek was there. Um, and, you know, and so I think there's clearly a role for him with or without Evan Mobley. It's just a matter of making sure that you don't overpay for the production that he gave you um, that was clearly outlier um, compared to the rest of his career, even though it was very, very fun to watch and, and was one of the reasons the Rockets were a very interesting um, watch after their, I guess, what, their third iteration of the Houston Rockets in 2020-21? Yeah, we've had, uh, we had a couple of cycles there. Um, but, Mike, how much, how much are you wanting to offer uh, Kelly and Michael Stone? Oh, man. I, 
ideally like three years, 40 million, somewhere around that number. Going to four or five years for a guy in his 30s on a team that is clearly rebuilding doesn't sound like money well spent. So I'm, I'm looking at three years, $42 million, but I'm highly suspicious that the front office is going to give him what I think he's going to command on the open market. Yeah, that, that's a good point about the fourth year. I guess for me, I was just more looking at like from an average annual value perspective, but I agree for a guy, I think he's, he's what, 29, 30. Um, I agree that maybe a fourth year at that price point might be a little overextending it, but general idea that maybe the 12 to 14 million range um, for two or three years would probably be the best way to, you know, retain or acquire Kelly Linick on the, on the open market. Yeah, more uh, money up front. You know, you don't know who we're getting, right, Mike? You know exactly well, who we're getting, right? Yeah. No, I, I like Kelly. I, I'm a big fan of Olenek. I, it's, I think, I think Olenek, the Olenek situation with the Rockets will purely depend on what happens in the draft. Yeah, I agree. But if, 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 we, get a, if we get a guy like Jalen Suggs, who's a guard, I'm telling you, 12-0-1, who are we meeting with? John Collins, Atlanta Hawks, John baby. Collins. John <laughs> Collins. Ray, who are we meeting with? It's definitely John Collins. You've been saying it for John months Collins. now. You oh. sold me on it. I was like, I was watching um, the last game that they played against uh, Philly, and when he caught that oop, all I was thinking was like, man, Jeremy's probably going crazy right now thinking of John Collins catching that from Kevin Porter Jr. or whoever. You know who else was excited or at least a little jumpy? Tillman Fertitta's wallet. That's what that's what was, uh, getting a little jumpy. I'll tell you that. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jackson, any final thoughts on Jalen Suggs before we send you off on the happy trail? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think I would just make clear that um, even if I if I sounded overly critical, again, that was not my intention. I just think in, in comparison to kind of the three guys that I would place above him for sure, um, trying to at least explain why I would have those three guys ahead of him. But again, Jalen Suggs is a very, very good prospect. If the Rockets land him at four, he would be a tremendous pick. Um, does a lot of things very well on both ends. Again, it's just a matter of clearly understanding his strengths and weaknesses and how to improve the latter of them. Um, but I appreciate uh, the four, the three of you, excuse me, um, for having me on today. I hope it was insightful for everyone listening as well. Um, but this was fun, and uh, it was. I always enjoy talking, talking hoops and talking drafts. So I uh, appreciate the three of you for having me on today. Absolutely, and thank you so much for for coming on to the show. One of the brightest minds on NBA Twitter. Uh, feel free to drop your Twitter handle, anything that you're working on. You work at a lot of places, I believe. So uh, feel free to tell the listeners what you're what you're working on right now and uh, where they can find you. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jack Frank underscore JJF. Everywhere that I talk and write about the NBA can be found in my bio there. Um, currently, I don't have anything in the works. I'm kind of just kind of in that weird purgatory where there's not a ton of time to write stuff after round one and round two hasn't quite you know progressed very deep but i'll definitely have some stuff this week and the rest of the playoffs um, but nothing solidified at the moment um but i will be sure to share all of that on my twitter uh, again that's at jack jack frank underscore jjf and everywhere that i write and talk about the league uh, is referenced in my bio there absolutely jackson thank you so much for coming on and uh feel free to gem him up on his way out all right there's plenty yeah, of gems i gotta, to go I gotta catch Don one of these days <laughs> feel free to double tap on jackson's profile follow him here on locker room uh and double tap make give him some gem make him feel special guys uh before <laughs> before he heads out but uh going once going twice and jackson he's on yeah we're very appreciative for jackson 
coming on. Uh, we'll be back either sometime later this week or early next week. I reached out to a couple of people to talk about Evan Mobley. He's our next guy on our uh, top prospect series. And then we'll have our Cade episode a couple days after that. And then two weeks from today, or I guess two weeks from June 8th, when this episode will be officially released, uh, we will have our uh, NBA lottery watch party here on Locker Room. We're going to come here. We're going to talk about the Locker Room. We're going to bring everyone up on stage if they want to come up, and we'll talk the draft and all of that. Uh, hopefully we'll be celebrating after that and we'll have a, we'll have a quick reactions recap pod, uh, immediately after the show. So we're really excited about, uh, the Rockets here. The real season has begun fellas. Um, but I think this is a good place to park the rocket ship for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Thank you to our audience here on locker room. Much appreciated. Thank you to all of our speakers that came up today. Let me try to name them all. Ori came up. Uh, then we had Drew, Don, uh, we had Jackson, obviously, and um, I believe that's it. Is, do we have someone else? Do I, have I think that's it. Yeah, that sounds right. I hope it's everyone. <laughs> and, of course, thank you to my co-pilots, Michael Brown and Ray Lucas. Uh, feel free to follow them. Ray, head on first. Where, where can, the, can the listeners find you? Uh, you could find me on Twitter at Raymond Lucas Jr. And, once again, it's a pleasure, as always, to chat with you guys. Absolutely. Michael Brown, where can the people find you? BSW podcast underscore MB. Yes, and you can find me on Twitter at Jeremy Browner. Nothing fancy, just my name, J E R E M Y B R E N E R. Be sure to follow the Dream Take on Twitter at the Dream Take, and be sure to follow the Dream Shake on Twitter at Dream Shake SBN. And be sure to check all of our content over at thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. And until next time, go Rockets! Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.